Okay, so listen, podcasting does not have to be difficult, especially if you have the right partners, okay? That's where Buzzsprout comes in. Whether you're looking to share your message with the world or get some ideas out there, Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts within minutes of you finishing your recording. Another great thing that you get from using Buzzsprout is a wonderful looking website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, who's actually listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. So join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. To start your own podcast and get a $20 Amazon gift card, click the link in the show notes. It lets Buzzsprout know that Phoebe sent you and also shows some support for the show. Let's get your word out there. Hey there, how y'all doing? Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast ever, 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 with your favorite host ever, ever, Phoebe Brackle If this is your first time listening, Akwaba, welcome to the party. And uh, for our old faithfuls, I see y'all too. And I really appreciate you tuning in every week. Seriously, like this podcast would not be what it is today without your support. So thank you all for tuning in. How was your Valentine's Day? Hmm? How'd that go? Did you get what you wanted? You got some chocolates and flowers? <laughs> or as we say in Ghana, did you get a sulia? Did you nash? I'm just picking on y'all. I, I didn't do anything. Um... I didn't do anything except eat and uh, watch several movies over the weekend. (laughs) I love movies, and I'm not really one for romantic movies, so that was not the genre for the weekend. I actually watched Frozen for the first time um, in anticipation for our first big, you know, snowstorm of the season over in the Pacific Northwest Seattle area. And uh, the kids loved it. I loved it. I didn't expect it to be that good. Oh, and I watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO. Wow. Y'all, what a movie. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. And um, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. Now, on next week's episode, we're going to have something new, something super special that you don't want to miss. I thought of it as I was, you know, talking about the the HBO, um, the movie on HBO, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah. So you want to make sure that you tune in for that powerful episode next week, okay? So just, you know, a little promo, you know what I'm saying? So you don't go through some FOMO. Ooh, I should be a rapper, huh? Anyway, I think that would be my parents. One of my parents' worst nightmares if I came home with that um, when I was younger, you know. I feel like those days are kind of over for me. All right, so if you haven't heard of the quote-unquote Gorilla Glue Girl um, saga by now, you know, you probably, maybe you, you don't spend a lot of time on social media and that's understandable. Really? It really is. Um, I don't like to call her the gorilla glue girl, honestly, because I mean, first of all, this is a grown woman we're referring to. Okay. And also she has a name, Jessica Brown. And 
she is a whole 40-year-old lady, okay? And she became famous after putting um, Gorilla Glue in her hair and, you know, she couldn't get it out and all that stuff. Anyway, so after weeks of trying to get it out, she finally made it to Beverly Hills to see a plastic surgeon by the name of Dr. Michael Obeng, our immigrant of the week. Now, Dr. Michael Obeng is an immigrant from Ghana. He's a plastic surgeon who was rated among the best plastic surgeons in the country. And um, performing Tessica's procedure for free isn't the first time he's done, you know, pro bono work. He's actually a philanthropist with uh, an organization called Restore, which goes to a number of African countries, including Ghana, providing free reconstructive surgical services. So you can find him on Instagram at Dr. Michael K. Obing. That's O-B-E-N-G. And over at his website, uh, www.mikoplasticsurgery.com. That's mikoplasticsurgery.com. Amy Stories is so proud of Dr. Obing, and we we celebrate you today. Ofa, you do all. You too. All right. Last week, we, we had a really fun time. I should say I had a fun time uh, talking with my high school mates about dating as an immigrant. So we're going to continue the conversation this week because I learned that the topic is a very hot one and folks really enjoyed it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm bringing you part two. Part two. Part dos. You know, I'm I'm. I'm bilingual. I'm not that, like, multilingual. So I just thought I would show off a little bit. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, here's here's part two. And um, I have a, a story, I should, I should say, you know, a letter from Marcela, who is an immigrant from Brazil. Marcela says, I have dated men from almost every ethnicity. But the one that was the most culturally different to me has been the relationship that ultimately led to marriage. My husband's family is very connected with their Vietnamese culture and religion, Buddhism. From the start, something that was not a big deal in my other relationships was taking off your shoes at the door. And this was mandated by this family. Other things that I learned are customs in his culture include bowing, which is less strictly enforced than the shoe rule. We continue certain traditions like frequenting a temple for weeks after a relative's death and paying respects to an altar of their ancestors. And we celebrate holidays like the Lunar, the Lunar New Year, which you know just passed, by the way. And I welcome these cultural differences, and I find them really charming and beautiful, especially the one of honoring a deceased family member from anywhere, for anywhere from three to six weeks after a funeral. Marcella adds, whatever the cultural difference is, I try to navigate it with curiosity, asking questions to make sure that I behave correctly and avoid doing anything disrespectful. Though I've observed and taken cues from my husband and cousins-in-law, such as reserving the act of bowing for when in the presence of monks and unfamiliar elders. I think this curiosity is one of the things that we talked about last week um, when we talked about you know, what it's like to, to date an immigrant. So, Marcel, I'm so glad that you, you actually brought that up. All right, let's continue the letter. 
Marcella says, though I came to the U.S. as a child and I've never dated anyone from my Brazilian culture, I know that dating in Brazil is much different from even dating in America. In Brazil, monogamy is not assumed in relationships. Instead, it is a decision that people come to and discuss. Dating non-exclusively is something that is not only accepted, but encouraged for both men and women. In my preteen years, I was sent a magazine by a relative with, two page, with a two-page spread with guidelines for a young girl to learn how to, quote-unquote, play the field. Verbs like pegar, which means to take, and ficar, which means to stay with, are used to describe varying levels of closeness in a non-exclusive relationship. Pegar is like the expression hooked up and can apply to either making out with or sleeping with someone. And ficar is like the expression talking to. You can be talking to someone for months and they would be foolish to think it's exclusive without a conversation establishing that relationship status. Marcella says, my family is respectful when hearing about my husband's traditions and religion, but they have not been personally involved in that aspect of our lives together. Most of the time, I am with my husband's family, or he is with my family, as the two families live 50 miles apart. Even in my family, there's about 20 to 30 miles between my parents and my aunts and my uncle's families which means that we see each other mainly during the holidays. Sometimes we celebrate the holidays twice. Oh, that makes for a fun party. As an immigrant and an undocumented one at that, I always had to worry about the future way too early in my relationships. I had to assess whether or not there was the possibility of a better life with that person, which included the possibility of changing my legal status with them. Dating another undocumented immigrant was out of the question, and dating someone who might not be accepting to my legal status was tricky. I had to date them long enough to know that they they could someday help me change my status and get to know them to see if they'd want to, but not too long that I would not be too attached to them if they were not right. After checking those boxes, then and only then was I able to focus on compatibility factors. With my husband, for the first time, it was a very different story because I had DACA and an approved green card application. That was the first time I did not have to date him with that in mind, but he checked the boxes anyway. He gained citizenship from his uncle, a soldier in the Vietnam War, whose involvement in the war granted him and his family citizenship in the U.S., However, just the fact that he came from Vietnam at a young age plays a huge role in our compatibility. We both know what it's like to have to assimilate, and we have first-hand context on the struggles in our third-world countries. Though the bowing is not as strict as other parts of his culture, it is something that may be an issue to some old-school elders, and in our case, I got a sense that it was very important to my father-in-law, who was very cold to me from the start. He was not the warmest person in general, 
but my not bowing may have um, had a, a bad first impression. <laughs> okay. There is a language barrier that keeps me from knowing for sure or to be able to even talk to him. However, now a few years later, it seems to be blowing over. I'm not sure if I would describe this as a culture difference, but when we went to Vietnam, I experienced something that felt like a cultural shock because I had never experienced it before. Vietnam had just recently opened itself to tourism, and most of its tourists are from Europe. For some people there, including my husband's distant relatives that we were visiting, I was the first person of color that they had ever encountered outside of a screen. It was not an exaggeration to describe my time there as similar to Hollywood culture. People gawked at me and the braids that I had in at the time, and people in his family wanted to take photos of off and with me excessively to the point that it was exhausting. Ooh, girl, you were a star out there. <laughs> a local celebrity, huh? Marcella says, strangers took pictures of me without my knowledge or consent, and some strangers in the street stared at me like I was a literal alien. I definitely had a, a better perspective of what celebrities uh, face here. They also could not fathom that my husband and I were a couple. Someone asked if he was my hired translator, as that's a thing over there, and they were shocked to find out that he wasn't. Oh. Marcella, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think Marcella touched on something really important here that um, I find that sometimes immigrants are not always honest about because I think there's some shame attached to to the whole concept. And it's this idea of um, not only like checking off boxes for who you want to marry, but also, you know, being particular about the kind of person that you date in terms of immigrant status. So for someone who is undocumented, you know, dating another undocumented person might not be, for lack of a better term, helpful because then both of you are undocumented and considering marriage is one of the ways in which you get, you can get um, your legal status here in America. It feels like both of you end up in a lose-lose situation, right? There's a lot of people who put that into consideration when it comes to dating. It's, it, 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 comes without, it comes without saying. And at the same time, the idea of, oh, I married this person because they checked off this box of um, either being a green card holder or a U.S. citizen feels very shameful because then it feels like, oh, I only marry this person for a green card or I only marry this person for citizenship. And it's more complex than that, you know, to, to be honest. It's not just a straightforward kind of thing. And I know that in my in my years here, that's one of the things that, here in America, I mean, one of the things that I've heard about or, or talked to, to other immigrants about, um, about, you know, who do you choose? You might have this great person that you love so much and you also have intentions of staying in this country and they might not be able to, to file for you. And we know that, you know, even that whole filing process is, is very complex and not everyone is willing to do that for, for people 
because of that stereotype of people marrying just for just for green cards and, and things like that. So it becomes hard. It definitely plays a role in, in people's love lives and their their romantic relationships. Because that's something that's staring you at your face, in your face, I mean. And, you know, I I mean I full honesty, I was one of the people who who benefited from um from that, from getting my citizenship through my husband. I met my husband when I was in um, in college and he was in the military. And so with him being in the military, like that was one of the factors that kind of pushed our application forward a little bit more when we um, got married and, and filed. And, you know, that that's one of the things that I, I had to think about. I couldn't just, um, you know, just date all willy nilly because I knew that I needed to stay in the country. And at that time, companies were not, and even, I think it's even worse now, um, companies were not really sponsoring um, people to be able to, to stay in the, in the country. And so, you know, it just so happened that we, um, we met, fell in love, you know, the whole shebang. (laughs) Shebang. I don't know if that even fits. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know if that fits this, you know. Anyway, I digress. Um, and so yeah, we we got we got we got together and we dated for a while before we got married. But you know, as an immigrant and then a, I was an F one visa um, holder, F one is student. That's one of the things that you know you think about whenever you're um, entering or entertaining the idea of even being in a relationship. But that's not even a conversation that's easy to have with with someone that you're quote unquote talking to or or just now starting to date. Like, hey, I'm gonna need my papers eventually, so can we talk about that? You know, it's for some people who have no idea what the process is like, it might it might feel daunting, it might feel kinda like shocking to 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 be able to have that that conversation. And so that is one of those things that comes up for for immigrants and I I hope that we can continue to like have more honest conversations about that. That this is a criteria that we we consider. Like yes, you are checking off the boxes. You're tall, you have the six pack. <laughs> and you know, all those fun things. You got a beard, you're part of the beard gang. And, um, yeah, you know, you're patient, you're, you know, you're of a particular religion, all these different things. And then comes the question of, you know, what, what is your status and how does that impact me? Because that impacts people, you know, that is something that we, we, we've got to be, to be real about. Now, another complexity that, um, Marcella brought up that, really struck me was, you know, with, with the families, you know, bringing in the families, because, you know, like we established the last episode, family is a huge part of um, many immigrants' relationships and dating lives, and, um, you know, subsequently marriage, if it leads in that, that direction. And the, here, here's where it, got, it gets complex, because you have two people from different cultures, who are also living in a dominant culture. And so you have, you know, this family from Vietnam, and then you have Marcella and her Brazilian background 
and them finding themselves here in, in America. Can you imagine, you know, what that's like with what are we taking what are we leaving behind? What do we celebrate? Are we going to celebrate three different kinds of holidays? What's going to be our dominant culture in, in our marriage? Or do we find space for all three? You know, the Brazilian, Vietnamese, and American. And what's the, the percentage? It, it, that looks very different for, for different people. And I think that sometimes whoever has the, the most closeness, I would say, or the most um, cohesion with their background, with their home culture, it's probably going to be the one that, you know, might feel more dominant in, in, in the marriage. So, you know, that's even something to consider. So, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, like I said, next week we're going to have a special episode. So make sure you tune in for that. And if you have any thoughts on, on this episode, or, you know, you have any experiences about dating and marriage that you would like for us to to talk about or you would like to share you know the inbox is always open like i always say is with phoebe at gmail.com that's is with phoebe at gmail.com i always love getting these stories um and, and receiving emails you know i get very excited when i check my phone and the emmy stories um inbox has an email in there it's like ooh sucky sucks we have an email ooh la la <laughs> and then i get disappointed if it's twitter <laughs> speaking of twitter yeah we're on twitter is with phoebe so make sure you follow us all right so i shall be back next week with another banger okay make sure you enjoy your week and take care of yourselves thank you